Hello and welcome to the MEDA podcast, a podcast raising awareness of eating disorders in the Middle East, produced by the Middle East Eating Disorders Association, a not-for-profit aiming to support prevention and awareness of eating disorders, as well as professional training, research and support to patients across the whole Middle East area. Every fortnight, the MEDA podcast delivers evidence-based research and expert advice from doctors, dietitians, and therapists in the Middle East. Alongside guests' and listeners' questions, the podcast aims to cover a wide diversity of aspects regarding eating disorders diagnosis, treatment, recovery, as well as support to patients of all sizes, ages, genders, abilities, and ethnicities because eating disorders don't discriminate and because they are among the deadliest mental health conditions. This podcast represents the opinions of the hosts and their guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. It is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical question. Good morning on Mida's podcast. I have the Big, immense pleasure to welcome today on our podcast, Mr. Ricardo Karam, who is a friend of mine, an old friend of mine, but we are going to stop counting the years, as we said. <laughs> he is the founder and chairman of Takrim and a very prominent media Arab figure. And we are very honored to have you today on our podcast. And we look forward to discussing the underrepresentation of the Arab community in the world specifically when it comes to mental health and eating disorders today. Thank you for joining me, Ricardo. Could you introduce yourself briefly and Takrim for us, please? First of all, uh, good morning and thank you so much for inviting me to join you. Uh, we need to admit something uh, that Karin is much, much younger than I. Karin stopped growing old. She remained youthful and beautiful and pretty. And this is what... Uh, uh, makes her charm, and this is what makes her actually always at the forefront of the map when we talk about content, when we talk about editorial, when we talk about social impact, and uh, when you uh, 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 add to all of those ingredients real beauty, genuine one. So I'm so happy. Thank to you, Ricardo. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. And you also have stopped uh, growing. <laughs> You've grown intellectually, uh, but 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 not physically. You look exactly the same as you did hmm, some 20 years ago. <laughs> hey, I'm happy. I'm happy. This makes me. Thank you so much. You all need it, by the way. So, Akrim, uh, it was uh, one of my visits to uh, the United States in the mid 2000s. Uh, when I first thought about Takrim, the country uh, was in full engagement, uh, the Iraq war. And um, I recall the world was not even recovering from the devastating 9-11 attacks. So as uh, the political discourse got weaponized against the Middle East, I felt misunderstood. I felt my motherland was misunderstood. And as a matter of fact, uh, to come from the Arab world uh, is to come from a place of constant change. It is to come from a place that is as rich 
and diverse as it is misread. So I was, I arrived to New York and then I was questioned like any Middle Eastern, someone who has a Middle Eastern passport. And I spent hours answering questions. And I said, it's true there are bad people, but at the same time, there are good people. And why not try to spot those remarkable individuals and try to portray a different image from the predominant one. So this is when I started thinking about Takrim, and uh, I did start working, finding ideas, bringing them together, till uh, they took a shape, until the foundation was established properly in the year 2009. And the launch was held in 2010. So this is, you know, in a couple of words, what Takrim is about. It's a foundation that tries to change this false perception of Arabs worldwide, and at the same time, it tries to give hope to the young by allowing them every year to get to know outstanding achievers who can be role models and who can allow them and push them to dream and to go forward. That's fantastic, and I have to thank you for that very important endeavor. Uh, you know, I, I I do sit on international committees for eating disorders and uh, um, try, as you know, to, to, to put the Middle East on the map. And I cannot begin to tell you the misconceptions that, uh, you know, the international community has about our part of the world. It's all about war and conflict and terrorism. And um, very little is known about, as you said, those outstanding figures in the world of research, science, um, social work, uh, and others. And it's really a pity that the world has just this image. So thank you for trying to change that. Thank you very much. You know, I believe that uh, media has played a very uh, major role and a very harmful one because media and our Middle Eastern media did not try to counter this image and to project what needs to be actually conveyed. They have always tried to uh, show the whole world that it is uh, politics, comedy, uh, uh, the era of the fashionistas today. Uh, it's never even about the content, about the seriousness of what Arabs can do. I spend my time traveling all over the world one day in Singapore, one day in Montevideo, one day in Canada and the States, all over. And I, 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 I think I'm grateful to life because it enriched me. It allowed me to know outstanding heroes who nurtured my life with hope, with knowledge. What is it, you know, to come on this earth, on this planet, and not to work on ourselves and not to be able to reinvent ourselves every day? by getting knowledge, by getting info, by reading, by listening, by sharing experiences, and by loving the others. So, you know, I got, I got this immense, I believe, benefit of uh, loving other people, of listening to them. And it's never about important people. At the beginning, when I first doing my TV shows, it was about those big names. I wanted to get big names in my studio, on my table. I wanted to be famous. I wanted people to know me. When I walked the street, when I crossed the street, they would call me, Ricardo, hi. So I was so happy. I was in my early 20s. And then, with time, I understood that this is not important. It is the persona, the human being inside each one of us that matters. And this is when, you know, my interest 
and the human being started, proliferated, grew, and it allowed me to become who I am today. And I think we share that because, as you know, I'm a clinical psychologist and uh, it is my passion for the human psyche and the human being in general that keeps pushing me and driving me. And as you said, I believe, you know, a life without meaning is a very sad life. So um, I think also we share that in common, believing in meaning and trying to make a difference uh, at least where we can and in the way that we can. Moving forward, I would like to ask you, what steps should we, Middle Eastern individuals who have a voice, of course you have a much louder voice than me, but I try to do my best when I can. What would it take to put the Middle East on the map, other than to talk about wars and conflicts? Uh, Karine, I believe uh, we all have voices and all together we can form a real orchestra and each voice matters. And each voice has followers and has people who listen to it, who believe in it. Sometimes you tend to think, I've got a couple of thousands of people who follow me, but your voice matters to those thousands of people and they'll follow you and they will do whatever you believe needs to be done. They follow your advice. And this is important. And you've got other people who got millions of followers, you know, and they drive them, excuse me for the word, to hell, okay? This is the problem. We need to bring all those serious voices together, those voices that sing correctly, okay? With yes, no ad- absolutely. And together we can make, I believe, wonders. So I believe digital media today has helped a lot, has enhanced a lot, has allowed everyone to say what he or she needs to say because when we talk when we raise the voice first of all it's a personal healing it does good to us you know when we don't keep all those ideas within us when we share them with the world it's already you know a personal healing and then it's of course a big healing for the community so yes we started talking now we start raising the voice we're starting sharing Uh, uh, our obsessions, our hopes, our wishes, our ideas, our fears. It's very important to to make all those feelings go out and uh, uh, people follow. Now, now, there is, you know, a a, a blind followership and a, a realistic one. What makes me, what frightens me are those people who follow without even making the brain work. Uh, uh, They follow blindly because he or she says we should do that, they do that. And this is, you know, where I really have no respect for this trend that will end one of those days of fashionistas. Fashionistas who only talk about shoes and clothes and, uh, yes, because they could use their voice to talk about important topics, but they don't. Most of them don't. What they do is nurture um, detrimental and harmful comparison, 
uh, what they portray is not realistic. We know that most images are curated and people only show one side of their lives, of course. And they could, they could talk about their own mental health struggles. They could talk about, you know, raise awareness on important topics. But very few do, really very few do. I completely agree. I, uh, what I fear is this final cut. People see the final cut of everything. They don't know by what we go through to reach an end product. And always, you know, those fashionistas who have a lot of followers, they call them influencers, uh, uh, if they use their voice properly and if they tell the whole world that the image they're, they're, they're posting is not always like that. For them to get to, to this image, it takes sometimes, you know, hours and, and days and weeks because they want to show, you know, the best pose, the best walk, the best position, the best clothes, the, the, the. this is not the, the, what the world is about. Let's about, talk about, you know, uh, the disorders we all encounter, we all face, we all go through. This is very important. They need to know what reality is about. And people need to be back to reality and not to live in a bubble in a, 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 another era and think this is what life is about. Yes, and they could also use their voice to promote our fantastic thinkers in this uh, region of the world, our fantastic scientists. We have so many talent, and uh, they are underrepresented and underrecognized. So those people who have those influencers who have a voice should also promote this side of our region, right? Very, very true. They should. Uh, they should push and enhance the messages, the messages, what you're trying to do, what I'm trying to do. We're trying, you know, to uh, uh, create clarity and to bring clarity to human beings so they think wisely, they think uh, uh, correctly, they think, you know, with a brain and not only with the heart. The heart is important, but the brain is equally, as equally important, you know, at the heart. So yes, they can do wonder those people, but you need you need them to have a brain <laughs> to do wonders. It's not you know not anybody has a brain, unfortunately. Sometimes there are hidden things, and there are things stronger you know uh, than the gods of uh, remembering and recalling that we have a beautiful soul and we have a beautiful mind, and this mind we need to make it operate and work. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So tell me, Ricardo, uh, why do you think the Middle East is such an underrepresented population globally, especially when it comes to mental health? And of course, I can share how it is in terms of eating disorders. I mean, they think that uh, eating this, there's this misconception that eating disorders are a Western you know, issue, whereas we know very well, we don't have official numbers, but we know that through surveys, random surveys done you know, across uh, the region that the rates of eating disorders in our part of the world may be double those of you know, uh, the world, uh, the Western world. So, so why do you think the Middle East is so underrepresented? Why? I believe that uh, very, very simply, uh, it's, it's simply not understood. People do not know there's no awareness. People do not know what uh, 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 eating disorders uh, mean, what they are, what they entail, 
uh, what are the symptoms, uh, uh, how, how we can cope with, how we can heal, how, what they are associated with. Uh, I think, uh, ask anybody what bulimia means, they tell you, I don't know. What anorexia is, they don't know what it is. Uh, uh, media, I repeat, I, I, I put again and again the fault of all our problems on media. Uh, uh, Arabs have spent billions on weapons and they were unable to create one media network where they can bring the best talents of the world, of the Arab world, or Arabs worldwide, and allow them to lead uh, a true social revolution and uh, uh, to create awareness and to allow people to know, to discover what life is about. On the contrary, I believe that the different regimes, political regimes in the Arab world, they've always tried to keep the populations hypnotized, not know what's going on outside the bubble. It's always to eat, to get married, to make kids, to watch drama and soap operas, and this is what life is about. It was never more. I'm not going to talk about, you know, uh, a small macrocosm to which we both belong, uh, where we have the opportunity of meeting interesting people, of traveling, of discovering the world. We're talking about masses, and those masses are really uh, the victims of those regimes, I believe. So I, re I repeat, media. Media is a big problem. They don't create awareness. Uh, the productions of TV shows, of interviews, of uh, 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 drama, etc., never highlights on those topics. At the end of the day, you need to feed people with info, and it's through those channels that you can make it. And it's true that today there are conferences, there are talks, there are panels, but they remain very narrow, and very few people attend and listen. Uh, very few people show interest. I know when I give a talk in, in, in forums uh, that attract masses, I've got sometimes 10,000 of people attending and listening to me, and when I go to uh, forums which are much more important, and where the content, can, the content can change the whole situation of the Arab world, there are less than 100 people attending. They engage, they're interesting people, but this is it. And even when you try to post those talks on uh, social media and, and, and mostly on YouTube, uh, the views are very limited. So I think media is important. The governments need to help. They need to enhance, they need to push, they need to fund, they need to give money. And uh, uh, this is how we can have more reach. The outreach can be bigger and the impact uh, can be eventually uh, tangible and uh, visible. So what you're saying is that media is kind of manipulated by governments to keep uh, you know, the mass uh, focused on other unimportant issues rather than promote a social you know, change that can be maybe the solution for our global Middle Eastern crisis, correct? I, I totally agree, yes. This is what I wanted to say. 
Perfect. Yes, I, I fully agree with you. And uh, and you see, you know, what we're trying to do with MIDA, it's, it, it's so limited because people are unfortunately more interested in, you know, fashion and uh, the lives of other people. So if I, I'm sure that if I did, you know, my own page, I would have more followers than MIDA per, as, an, as an NGO because people are, you know, curious about how other people live their lives versus you know, what an association has to say. And maybe you're right, maybe it's a tool, you know, um, you know, as uh, Mark said, you know, uh, governments are gonna try to keep uh, people under their control and the tools may be different. So our voices have to come together. As you said, this microcosm has to come together so that we can try to, to maybe achieve as much as we can, a social shift and become represented uh, for what we truly are uh, in the world. Exactly. You know, I sometimes I, I feel I, I, I feel sad. I feel sad when I see sometimes uh, governments spending millions, millions on entertainment, on, uh, sorry for the word, trashy events, on... Uh, uh, entertainers, singers, etc., who have no no voices and and who have no talent, you know, they dance on the floor and they attract people. And instead, you know, of coming and investing money on constructive initiatives, on constructive uh, uh, NGOs, on uh, 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 contentful. Uh, podcast, uh, YouTube channels. This is, you know, what can really make a true change happen. This is where we need to focus. This is where we need to invest. And this is what will allow our children and the children of tomorrow to grow in a healthy atmosphere and environment. Yes, absolutely. So w when it comes to uh, to eating disorders, I, I mean, you said you follow me. Thank you. <laughs> you follow me. Da. Um, so it's very important for me when I sit on those, uh, you know, at, in the board of the Academy for Eating Disorders, their partner chapter and affiliates. Uh, when I, 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 re I recently published a book and um, I spent a lot of time uh, bringing Middle Eastern references to the book, for example, fasting during Ramadan when you have an eating disorder, and uh, when I sit on those boards, I try to to consistently, you know, bring the voice of the Middle East and our needs. You know, we don't have any. First, we don't have uh, pre official prevalence numbers. So again, we need funding because we need to have a true representation of what's happening. Uh, as you said, our own governments are not interested. We've tried so much to apply for grants and, uh, you know, it's always been rejected. Um, you know, what are eating disorders? You know, people go eat or don't eat. There's a complete lack of awareness and importance, though eating disorders are the deadliest of all mental health disorders. Uh, so it is... It's really uh, through, through uh, MIDA that I learned a lot. Because Thank I you. do have someone... Uh, in, in, in my family at large, you know, who's suffering from that. And it took us a lot of time to understand what was going on. And what happens to me happens to each and every one. 
also so uh, we need funding and my hope is that by talking about eating disorders in the middle east as you said if our own governments are not sensitive to this topic because they're you know they have other priorities unfortunately uh, maybe we can get other big nations as you say help and maybe fund so that we can offer our community better care and better treatment because one of the Why are eating disorders so deadly? Because they are unrecognized. There is a lack of awareness. And uh, those who are interested in them don't have access to treatments. We have excellent evidence-based treatments. In the Middle East, you count the, the, the practitioners who can deliver those treatments on, you know, maybe <laughs> one hand or maybe two hands. Imagine on the, in the whole region. So people are, maybe are full of... Uh, goodwill, but they don't have access to those treatments. And if they don't have the curiosity to go out and learn in their own countries, it's not going to be offered. So one of our mission is to train um, those practitioners to offer the best treatment so that uh, the mortality rates go down and more people recover. But for that, we also need fund and we need support from big organizations, which in our part of the world we're not receiving. So our hope is to get big nations to maybe see this need um, for help. The big nations see the need for help in the Middle East more on a social level, so maybe humanitarian level, and, and it's great, and we are very thankful. But there's a whole mental health side that is being neglected. Don't you agree? I totally agree, and let's not forget about uh, the shame, shame... Stigma. Uh, stigma. People are always, uh, uh, it's for them shameful to talk about such a disorder. They think it will change the whole image. Don't forget, we are slaves of our image. And I said at the beginning, if you recall, the final cut. We always try, you know, to bring the best of uh, uh, who we are, what we are. Uh, we see on the Instagrams, on the social media, the perfect pictures, perfect family, husband, wife, kids loving people with the dog, with the cat, they have got everything. 
they think, you know, this is what people will remember. And they forget that people will forget them a few seconds after, and they'll go to another picture. And behind the picture they've tried to portray or to show, there is a drama in their home. And, uh, uh, but this drama, they can face it if they see the good psychiatrist, the good psychologist, the good practitioner, the good, the good. So it's, I think we're all correlated. Everything is correlated. And we need to get rid of this uh, shame stigma. We need to have more funds. We need to help uh, the specialists. We need to have more research. And, and media needs to help a lot. And uh, we need really to bring all those people of quality together. And this is how we can form the best orchestra possible. And we need people uh, like you have done, and you have my utmost admiration for coming forward when you lived the tragedy a couple of years ago with your son, and you were very vocal and open about it because through that, you, I mean, you first portrayed a real image of, uh, you are an influencer, but you just don't post about the positive things and the good moments in your life, but you also use your voice to talk about your own struggles, which in turn can encourage people to come out and to overcome the stigma, whether it comes for illness or mental health problems. So I think we need us, all of us, to be more vocal about the realities of our lives and show that what people see, you know, and, other influencers, they're only posting just one side, as you said. So we need more people like you who are more vocal about the reality of their life because this will, one, you know, raise awareness and get people to think about those issues and maybe screen, take steps, you know, things like that. But also it will diminish the pressure that we have on our community to be perfect and to have this perfect life and this pressure to be always happy which is completely unrealistic and from a mental health perspective is the cause probably of most disorders. People have this pressure to always be happy and well. And so seeing you know, people, um, personalities such as yourself come forward and talk about it also diminishes pressure. Ah, he is human, he is like us, he goes through ups and downs. So, you know, it's, it's okay, it's okay to have struggles. It's okay not to be okay. It's not to be okay. And at the end, it will be okay. Everything will be okay. You know, yes. this of sharing um, our own struggles is a personal therapy on one hand, and on the other hand, is definitely a collective therapy. We need to, screen, to scratch each other's back. This is the only way to help the community. They should not think that I'm the perfect person, I'm a perfect guy. I'm like each and every one, a human being, with my ups and downs, with my falls, with my successes. And uh, uh, I have moments of, of weaknesses, moments of strengths. But for me to empower myself and to become a better person, the best therapy is to talk about it and not to keep it hidden inside of me. Uh, and I believe Usually, you used to go to see a psychologist and, or a psychiatrist to talk to them and to open now. We can do it. You know, with the help of those practitioners, we can do it on social media. And it's really, really much helpful. And you know it very well. You know, from your patients, from the people who come to see you, it's important. When you share things, it really 
is a, a, a tool of healing and a tool of help. So talking about it kind of publicly will also help others make this very important step and could save lives. Because a lot of people, you know, unfortunately with the rates of suicide, etc., a lot of people can be in a better place, can live in a better way if they do take this step. But again, in our part of the world, there is an immense stigma around mental health, specifically mental health in men. It's very, you know, shameful, you know, that we, we don't, you know, men are supposed to deal with their own issues on their own. Uh, they don't need to go and, uh, and seek help. So a lot of it is, you know, completely um, uh, unwarranted pride and uh, will stop people from taking the steps that can save their lives. So I am someone who has, is very open about my own mental health and, of course, not, you know, <laughs> with my patients. Clearly, they are the patients. But uh, in my community, with my team, uh, where I work, and I tell them, if we are not going to talk about it, how can we relieve the stigma, you know? And, and, and we need to encourage others to go and to normalize having ups and downs and mental health issues, uh, which can be extremely well-treatable, with those treatments. And of course, as a psychotherapist, I go to therapy as well, not all the time, but I think every 10 years is a good, <laughs> is a good time to do a bit of a reset. And of course, we have supervision and we constantly are working on ourselves to better also serve our patients. Because if you're not okay with yourself, it's difficult to support others. So, so really, I, I think by voicing all of us, our struggles, is going to be a big, important step for others to come forward and seek the help that they need that could save their lives. Would you agree? 100%. Always agree yeah. with you. Thank you. <laughs> so going back to Takrim, Takrim built bridges between North Africa. I, I was not aware that you had also links there. The Middle East, the Gulf and the Arab diaspora, creating a community of like-minded people and acting as a gateway for the region's cultural, educational, scientific, environmental, humanitarian, social, and economic excellence. We, again, we find that community plays a huge role in eating disorder recovery too. It is you know, so difficult to, for specifically for families to go through this on their own. They need to have a sense of belonging and, and of support. So wh why do you think community matters so much, in your opinion, bringing all those people together? Uh, listen, in, in, in 2009, I founded Takrim. In 2010, I launched Takrim. The Middle East was on the uh, verge of uh, incoming change and shifting powers. And... Uh, just one year later, if you recall, we had this uh, uh, glorious Arab Spring. Yes. Started as Arabs tried, they tried to defy their fate. Uh, and a situation they had been uh, conscripted to for decades. So I, I, I felt before that spring, you know, that I needed to launch my own spring. I needed 
and I still need to do this, uh, to try to do this uh, today. And in the midst of all those stories of bloodshed, uh, occupation, uh, strife that are regularly coming from this part of the world, uh, there are beautiful stories we need to shed the light on. Stories of success, of progress, of uh, cooperation, of true bravery. If uh, uh, these stories uh, weren't being heard, it's because they haven't been told. I'm a storyteller, don't forget. This is what I do. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, I've read that about you. This is how you like to define yourself. I love this sentence. Yeah. It's, it's and, a beautiful and, and, one. Would tell those stories. So Takrim tries to spot stories uh, in, 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 in small areas. Not, it's, it's about unsung heroes. It's not about, you know, the rulers and the royalties and about those big CEOs. It's about, you know, normal people who try to make a change in their community. In, in, in Sudan, in Libya, in, in, in Palestine, in Syria, and Iraq, not only, you know, in the countries where... Uh, 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 there's advancement, there's comfort, there's a luxury life. Uh, it's been 12 years and I've been so much gifted because I have learned and I came across remarkable stories. And, and Takrim grew and Takrim uh, went and flew from the Arab world to the States. And we've just launched Takrim uh, America in Miami in February 20, uh, of this year, 2022. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, Takrim America is a portal connecting Arab Americans and immigrants uh, from the Middle East to their roots and to their heritage. I believe in the power of community. I believe we are a big community that is scattered, that is uh, a broken one. And we need to bring all those pieces together. And, you know, by this kind of work, we can contribute in bringing those pieces a little bit, bringing those threads together. Uh, I try. Uh, Arabs have gone to great heights. They made names for themselves. And in doing so, uh, they have made a name uh, for their countries. Uh, I believe in the greatness of the Arab mind and spirit. And I wanted to see it uh, uh, glowing, uh, to see those names glowing all over. And uh, I want my kids to live in this part of the world and to be proud when they grow that uh, they are Arabs. And it's not like today, uh, we're hiding our identity and we're afraid to show our Arab passport. We're all trying to get another passport because uh, this is our visa. To the world and today they look at us in a very uh, a negative perception. We need to go back to those days where we were at the forefront and we'll make it if we can scratch our mind and if we can think wisely. So uh, in a nutshell, Takrim has, from what you just said, three missions. The number one is to motivate others to step up and not be afraid to show their talent by showcasing small stories of extraordinary people 
who took the chance to do things, even though they're not known, but they made a difference. So you bring them uh, to the public eye, and this can motivate our community to not be afraid to showcase their talent. And this will contribute to changing if everyone steps up and shows what they can do, because we can do so much as, as Arabs, as human beings. This will contribute to changing the, the, the perception of the Arab world. And the second mission is to bring this amazing diaspora or that is all over the world, to bring them together so that together they can help our region, um, I mean, not resolve their problem, but help uh, their community that is still in the Middle East. So bringing them together outside of the Middle East to support people inside the Middle East. Did I get you right? Exactly, exactly. Thank 100. you. And then, and then the third you know, point or the third objective is uh, to bring international media and to tell the international media, come and talk about us in a different way. Please, don't only talk about the uh, bloodshed, about the fights and about uh, the wars and uh, about the uh, stereotypes and the terrorism. Come and talk about those beautiful stories. This is who we are. So yes, we have different objectives. Uh, we have a wonderful mission. Uh, we are uh, a voice, and this voice needs to uh, be louder. And with the supports of all the friends, you know, this voice can have a higher reach. And preempt those other voices that also come from the Middle East, but that are more superficial and talk about less important issues. Uh, because it's either, as you said, war, terrorism, and uh, conflict, or fashionista and uh, you know uh, fashion, which I love, by the way, <laughs> but still <laughs> uh, fashionista and trends, uh, which unfortunately creates in the world of eating disorders a huge pressure on women and men to be perfect all the time. Uh, though, you know, I, which we always say in MIDA, and we try to get the message out there that those images are curated, are manipulated, and this is not, you know, what people look like on a daily basis. They are just showing you one part. So we want to also showcase true talent so that we can shift values. The problem with eating disorders is that value, you know, becomes thinness, appearance, and it's something that some of our sufferers are good in controlling, and it gives them a sense of achievement. So what we try to do in our work is to shift their value so that they can put this strength, this willpower, which they have, on pursuing real goals, real admirable goals, which can make a real difference. Because at the end of the day, which I always tell my patients, okay, you've achieved, you've reached in anorexia nervosa, for example, the lowest weight possible. But what have you really achieved? In their mind, it's admirable. Why? Because our society has said so. Okay, our society has said that if you're able to control your body weight, if you're able to look a certain way, then you've achieved something admirable. So our patients listen to this message and they embark in this quest which can kill them. So we try to shift values. So if we have a different message on social media and we can you know, show that value is attached to other things, meaningfulness, making a difference, 
in this world maybe will have in terms of prevention, less eating disorders. The, the, the pressure on social media is really disastrous. Yes. Yes. Um, social media has helped us uh, to reach milestones, I believe. Of course. To uh, um, face our fear and uh, to go publicly and comment on issues and give our opinion and share it. But at the same time, it made us follow what should not be followed. And some people, you know, f became slaves of the people they're following. And those people they're following sometimes took them between brackets to hell. And this is what we need to face. This is what we need to face. It is a vague. I think it is a vague. You remember, you know, after the war in Lebanon, it was the era of all those social magazines who used to put the pictures... Yes, of, of uh, weddings and engagements and parties. I think people needed to breathe after the war. They wanted to show something. They wanted to prove something to the outer world. And with time, it had shrunk a lot, and then it disappeared and vanished. And it took other forms, of course, but it was less important. Today, you can put one or two pictures of a wedding on Instagram, and that's it. But you don't go into details who were there, who attended, who... It, it, you know, the society evolves somehow and changes, and the interests also are shifted. Uh, but I think it's a vague, and with time, it will also shrink and will go more to what is fundamental. I hope so. Yes, I hope so too. And I think we have a role in this shift you know, by key, we have to keep talking about, you know, other issues and bring and bring awareness. Going back to the community part, I, I think it, it, it's so important because, you know, as human beings, we are biologically driven to be, uh, you know, uh, connected to others. You know, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, we were tribes and uh, the guy wandering on its own in his cave did not make it. We made it because we were tribe, we were tribes, and those who made it were tribes. So thank you for creating an extended Arab tribe and hopefully highlighting uh, the positives in this tribe because we have so much. Uh, so before we end, I'd like to ask you our ritual question, if you don't mind. If you were to recommend one thing anyone listening to us could do to improve eating disorders, because MIDA is about eating disorders and mental health, prevention in the region, what would it be? Read and read and read. I think it's only by reading. It's not all. So educating yourself. This is the only tool. This is the only tool. Uh, uh, we go to talks, we attend conferences, we listen, it's very important. Uh, but for us to consolidate what we have grabbed and listened to, we need to make research and we need to know more. You know, you invited me to be on this talk. I had previously, of course, followed you and I've been reading about you and added even more because I had this talk with you. And Thank by you learned a lot, a lot, and sometimes very simple things, very simple things allow us to see with clarity. Clarity is very important. 
for any decision to be made. So I urge everybody to read, please, and tell your friends to join this podcast, to subscribe. This podcast, you know, is done for you, for me, for us to listen, to know more, and to improve our life. And we all need to improve our life. We have and will never reach the pinnacle and the best. And we can never be, you know, good in everything. Learning is very important. Knowledge is very important. Keep that I in really, mind. I really appreciated when we had our, our exchange prior to this podcast. You told me, you know, as a father, uh, by, by following Mida, I've learned a lot about prevention, like not to diet, not to talk about bodies, not to talk about dieting, not to put my kids on diets, things like that. And uh, this is exactly our mission. So thank you for, for getting the message and hopefully by encouraging others to follow us, maybe this message can, can come across more households and we can try as much as possible to prevent eating disorders. Thank you so much, Karine. Sheikha Karine, for those who do not know, Karine is in <laughs> Lebanon. She doesn't like to use the title, but you know, I'm saying it now, and I hope it will not be a... So thank you, Sheikha Karine, for this beautiful... Thank you. Thank you, Ricardo. One more question. Where can people find you? So if we have talent in the region who would like to reach out or, or people in the diaspora who would like to join your efforts, how can, we reach, how can they reach you? Um, I'm... I'm very present and I have a heavy presence on, on digital media. So I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I have my YouTube channel and I'm on Instagram. So you put Ricardo Karami, you can find me all over. And people can freely contact you? Are you, are you reachable? I'm reachable. I have a team and uh, will always answer you. No worry for that. Thank you, thank you. And Mida will always answer you. So anyone who listens to us and needs support, we are there to support you. Uh, and um, we aim at uh, providing better care and supporting our community as well. So we have same goals, uh, maybe in a bit of a different uh, areas, but it's the same goal. Thank you, Ricardo. It's been a pleasure to spend this morning with you such a thought-provoking conversation and uh, I look forward to more. Maybe you can invite Mida to one of your YouTube channels. We will. We'll do a podcast and do something on my YouTube channel very, very soon, hopefully. My best to your team. Thank you very much. That's today's show. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast and share it on social media. Your support can truly make a difference for the overall awareness and prevention of eating disorders in the Middle East. If your loved one struggles with an eating disorder, please contact our free hotline on www.mida.me contacts to access your complimentary 15-minute assessment by one of our eating disorder experts. If you wish to submit a question or send us feedback about the podcast, make sure to write us via media, that's M-E-D-I-A, at media.me. Take good care of yourself and see you in two weeks.